Origins on the Future of Supply Chain are special one-off episodes where we have founders share their personal stories, chronicle the founding of their startup, and pass on lessons from building their business. To hear all of our episodes or to leave us a note, head over to podcast.dynamo.vc or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Let's get into today's show. Hey, good day. Welcome back to the Future of Supply Chain. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And uh, today we have an Origins episode of our series. And joining me is Sean Henry, co-founder and CEO of Stored. Welcome, Sean. Yeah, thank you for having me, Santosh. Yeah, uh, I... I, I'm I'm excited to dig in here because uh, you have uh, just recently raised your Series A. We've we've been on this journey together for the better part of the last three years, but uh, would like to just take a step back and you know you're you're one of the younger founders in our portfolio. You're highly accomplished already. Would love to just understand your your personal journey. What got you into startups and and what's that journey been like to date? Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if I wasn't the youngest founder uh, besides my co-founder. In yeah, your portfolio you're... or or no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, but yeah, we we were we were reviewing the other day. I think over one of our closing dinner, maybe that uh, you've known us since our our late teen years. So it, it's certainly been a journey. Um, but yeah, happy to happy to dive in and, and give a little ba- background and kind of really what led me to sort. I mean. I think it's easy to look at the the micro and, and say I'm young, but at the same time, if I actually look at my background and kind of what's brought me to stored and really what we do today, it's sort of a compounded effort of a lot over the past, I would almost call it eight, uh, 10 years since I was pretty young. Um, my background is just that, I guess ever since I was young, I've been a little bit on the entrepreneurial side, uh, always testing things, trying different things. My real origin, the first business I ever, I ever started or ever ran, I call it a business almost jokingly. It's really just myself as a, as a middle schooler trying to make some money was that essentially my parents wouldn't buy me a phone, a cell phone. And I really wanted a cell phone and I was uh, determined to figure out what to do and how to get one uh, as a middle schooler back in the day. And, through a variety of trying to figure things out, trying different things, I ended up buying and selling phones and really just flipping phones uh, to the point where I was starting to break apart phones into smaller electronics parts and computer parts and started to sell those online on eBay back when I was 11 or 10 years old, very young, uh, started to sell things on eBay, uh, built up a really good online eBay store and reputation and eventually just through a ton of outbound uh, business development on the early side of the internet, I was actually doing business development on YouTube, believe it or not, and eBay, reaching out to people, trying to connect. I met a guy uh, who had a chain of electronics stores in Europe, uh, in England particularly, and also had some business in South America and started selling uh, and shipping products to him. Um, really random, but sort of started to compound into, okay, I was understanding a little bit about e-commerce and online selling and what happened next was I'm a huge car guy and I always have been in kind of the same phase of I wanted to buy myself a car and wanted to get into the automotive world. And so I started buying, importing, and uh, well, I guess first I started buying and reselling online again through eBay, then through an e-commerce store, 
used car parts to the point where I eventually started buying and importing automotive OEM parts. So I was going to local dealerships here in Atlanta and essentially saying, hey, you guys have five of these, or you need five of these parts, you guys need 10 of these. I'll go make one purchase order and sell them to you. And so I was starting to sell parts to dealerships. And that's really where a little bit of my journey started to change. I started to go from this solopreneur type, hey, I can make a little bit of money online and starting my own businesses to let's really figure out more market problems and get towards the enterprise side of business and really learn more. And so I was buying some products from this one company called uh, Yoko Group, a German-based automotive OEM manufacturer, and really got to know the CEO. It's a German-based company. I was really lucky that he moved to the U.S. Uh, for his kids to go to school in the U.S. and got to know him extremely well over the next three or four years while I was in high school. And probably after three years of pestering this guy of, hey, I'm buying products from you. I'm probably your smallest customer there is. I'm really just doing this as a business to serve myself. It's fun. I'm, I'm running this while I'm in high school on the side. I really want to work for you guys. And it was after a few years of going down that path and trying to convince them that I was about to go into Georgia Tech to study operations and supply chain management in the business school. Um, so I got a scholarship to go there and I really just wanted to be connected to the, the tech ecosystem around Georgia Tech and the startup ecosystem that they were creating. It was really around that time that he finally kind of caved in. I ended up getting a really unique position at this company where I was reporting directly to the board. I was called lean management supply chain optimization. I worked primarily on the lean management side, less on the supply chain optimization side, but I ended up working in Germany, France, Mexico, Canada, Enterprise, Alabama, Mableton, Georgia, uh, summer before college and my first few semesters at Georgia Tech uh, at this company, really starting to face enterprise problems and saying, how do we optimize how workers moving around the factory machine? How can we relay out this building to get the optimal footprint, the optimal output? It started to do really more complex things. Um, and I think, again, it just goes back to always compounding the things you're doing and success you're having into more and more interesting businesses or solving more problems for more people at a larger scale. And I had taken a lot of learnings from this company where we essentially were using a lot of third-party logistics and it was becoming a very complex process to manage. And I started to see a big uh, space and capacity constraint where we had buildings that had a lot of excess space that we were renting out to other tenants. We were subleasing pieces of it. We had neighbors who were using these, these essentially factory buildings. They have 23 across the globe, across 19 different countries. I saw that we had space, yet at the same time, we were using third-party logistics warehouses because we needed logistics operations. And so really thought there'd be an opportunity to arbitrage space and sort of started to kick off an online marketplace, again, just doing some customer discovery. And I think that's always been my ethos as an entrepreneur is just trying to do as little as possible to get somebody to try to buy something from me or to test it to see if there's really any sort of market fit. So I made Craigslist ads essentially in a framework of a website saying we're building on a marketplace of excess capacity of space. And really that was the start of stored. And we got our first customer within, I think it was 48 hours, just literally renting space in an empty building because I was doing some just marketing through all these different outlets, all these different sites. And I'll let you maybe jump in and ask yeah. some questions. But from there, that was the first genesis of store where we started to say, okay, there might be an interesting business here. And after dealing with customers and listening to customers over the next, I would call it year and a half, or really first year of the business, 
we ended up making some major pivots, uh, leaning towards the enterprise software model, understanding what our real value add to these customers were. But I would say it's been a, a really long journey of just trying to figure out uh, what customer needs are out there and what we can solve and constantly trying to fill that gap and, and really solve it for those customers and do it in a uh, low barrier to entry way to where we can know really quickly, can we solve this for a customer? Is this something someone's willing to pay me for? Is this something we can build a business out of? Sure. And um, you you mentioned that you're super persistent in order to get your uh, first opportunity as you were in college. Um, talk about how you realized that persistence was a key requirement or a key quality in order to get your foot in the door there and carve out this unique position where you're ultimately reporting to the board. Is that something you realized at that point or something that you, you reflected on and, and came to value? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I would give a lot to my parents for instilling it into me that I always went the, hey, I will work for free. I will do whatever it takes route to get the opportunity. Uh, we, 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 we've joked, I think I've told you, my, my funniest job experience was when I was importing products and buying and selling automotive parts. I ended up working at uh, Motor Cars of Georgia, Lamborghini Atlanta for one day until I got fired because I was 14 years old and couldn't actually <laughs> legally work there or move any cars. And what happened was I walked onto the showroom floor when I was, I think, 10 years old and started walking around and looking at cars and went back there every weekend or every other weekend for the next four or five years until the general manager became a really close friend. Again, I was 14 or 15 and he's in his 30s, but he was kind of a mentor to me. One of my early mentors I still keep in close touch with. Uh, he was running this dealership at scale to millions of dollars a year in sales and I just wanted to work there. And after trying to convince him, I ended up not being able to legally work there. But again, I was saying, hey, I don't really need to get paid. I'm a young guy. I'm trying to run these businesses on my own. I really want to work for you guys. I want to see what I can learn. And I think it's just constantly being open to to learning as well that I was actually, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, I was actually halfway through that work experience. I was ending my summer uh, in Germany at this automotive OEM manufacturer and the CEO, the guy who hired me, came up to me with a paycheck. And I was like, I had no idea I've been getting paid for this. What is what is this? And he was like, you've been working here for three and a half months. And I was like, yeah, I thought this was something that I was thankful for. I wanted to work here. Like, I appreciate your time and you taking me under your wing and you flying me to a bunch of different countries and training me on this. I think it's just that persistence and that really openness to say, hey, I don't know everything. In fact, especially as a young entrepreneur, you want to go into things saying, I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. I'm here to learn as much as possible and see how I can use that to build something. Because at the end of the day, what I always say, especially when I'm talking to people starting businesses is unless you are the exact buyer of what you're solving and you've been in that seat and you know exactly what it is, the pain points, all your peers in your industry were telling you every single day, Unless that's the case, even if you have some sort of unique insights as to why it's the market, why you want to build a business there, you really should go in with no assumptions, acting like you know nothing and you really want the market to tell you what is needed and what you need to build. And I think you have to be really self-aware enough to, to be able to say that of, I'm not here to say I know the most in the room. I'm here to say I know the least in the room and learn from you guys. So 
I was having to make board presentations literally as a 17, 18 year old to a, a board of a $2 billion company and have them tear me apart sometimes on this doesn't make any sense, encouraged me at other times and trained me at other times. And I didn't have a direct boss. I was having to figure this all out on my own and constantly iterate as to, okay, what do I need to do differently next time? What do I need to do differently at the next country I go to in the next factory I try to look at? And so I think it's just that open-mindedness to, I don't know a lot. I'm here to learn and I'm here to figure out based on those learnings, how can I add the most value? And, you know, leaning into that, that's a quality that uh, is is extremely valuable having that uh, enduring growth mindset are able to put biases aside. Um, how do you then uh, lead an organization with, with that type of ethos? What is it like balancing the fact that people look to you for answers or sometimes believe you to be the expert Yet at the same time, there's so much you don't know and, and you have to be open to the others that you've hired around you to inform you of those things that you don't necessarily know. That's not always easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great question because, and I've gone back and forth with it uh, on numerous occasions with my co-founder employees and other things. Of As a founder, there's, there are certain things that you do need to own. And you need to say, hey, really, this is what the answer is. This is where we're going. And that's some things like your fundraising, your branding, your mission, your values, some of the really core principles that are derived from you as a founder or you as a a team of co-founders. But for the majority of the part, our ethos as a company, and it's something we actually talk about a lot with our employees, especially during the hiring process, because I think it's something we want to be transparent of, is you need to find leaders who for your different departments are going to make better decisions than you, who know more about the problems they're solving or where they fit in the organization than you do. And I always say it's really my job as a CEO and the leader to help point us in the direction we're going. But when it comes to different functions and the different teams, it's you're the leader of this team. I'm here to enable you and help get out of your way because at the end of the day, you should be making smarter choices than I am and you should be teaching me what I don't know about marketing, about sales, about analytics, about engineering. And so I think we have a big really value of empowerment and that starts at the top or really the way I like to envision myself is more at the bottom of it's really my job to empower those different people to make decisions and help lead those teams. And um, it really requires having an open mind from not only myself or my co-founders, but also the different leaders on their teams, right? They have to be willing to say, okay, I'm not leaning on Sean, I'm not leaning on Jacob, I'm not leaning on X for answers as much as I am for collaboratively thinking through the direction we need to go, looking for the resources that we need to make those decisions and get those answers and proceed. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. And uh, as you think about hiring people around you, you know, we were on the West Coast last week and, and, and it came up during one of our, our discussions where another individual on our board looked at you and said, like, you just have to hire the best people. That's That sounds like the most important thing you can do. How do you go about doing that? Like, you know, there there are folks who are, you know, far more experienced, 
who have had tenured careers in industry who still struggle with this, but how does a founder or an entrepreneur think about hiring around them? What does it mean for somebody to be an expert in a particular field that you have a need for or around? What are the tricks you use? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's a really good article on it that I, I shared not only with myself, but a lot of people on our team uh, called Let Go of Your Legos. Uh, it's not your job to own everything and do everything. Activity is not the driver of success. I don't want to look at myself and say, hey, I stayed in the office an extra hour today, and that's why we're going to be successful. Really what it is is, you have to be able to figure out how to leverage yourself as much as possible. How can I find people with the right skill sets for different teams and different functions that I can empower as much as possible? I can give them the resources, the budget, the people they need on their team. I can help guide them. I can help lead them in the right direction. And primarily, when you have different leaders across different teams, I can help make them cohesive really is the job. But how do I get out of their way and empower them as much to really move quickly? And I think when it comes to pulling people and getting great people from industry and from other tech companies, we've had people take large pay cuts or leave large organizations or leave much more, let's call it uh, steady jobs at large companies to join a fast growing young company like ourselves. And I think part of the reason is that's not typically how corporations think. They don't think, hey, I'm hiring this person because they're the best in this function and I need to empower them and I need to help them let me scale. I think the way a lot of larger companies think about things is tends to be very siloed, very directional, very can I do this, here's what you can do, top-down kind of leadership. And so when you're able to find these people at great companies, people who are doing incredible jobs, and you're able to kind of show them that path forward of, hey, Here's how we're changing an industry. Here's our grand vision. Here's what our team is doing. And here's how collaborative and good of a culture we have when it comes to building and empowering you to help lead this function and really giving you all the resources you need. People feel a lot of ownership in that and they feel a lot of pride in that. And it helps attract these great leaders and these people who maybe in the past they got the chance to lead, but they didn't really get the chance to impact things as much as they really know that they have the ability to or that they can. And so I think you have to have the right culture around how you're treating your people, how you're setting up your teams, how you're enabling people to grow, even within your organization. It sounds funny, but it's something we've thought about since we were probably three or four people, which is a tiny company just getting started of how do people in different teams and functions grow? How do you as a person, how do we as a company meet each other's career goals? How do I help you hit your career goals and how do I help you grow? And it takes a lot of alignment with employees and a lot of talking with them, a lot of one-on-ones to really make them know that you're trying to grow with them and you're trying to help them hit their goals ultimately. But I would say that's really the secret is you have to find the best people and ultimately you can't get in their way. You have to do a little bit of the opposite of getting out of their way and making sure they're set up for success as, as much as possible because that's how you create the highest leverage on yourself as a founder. There's, there's a quote that people use all the time, and it's you always have to be thinking, am I doing $10 an hour work, $20 an hour work, $100 an hour work, or $1,000 an hour work? Yep. Which one do you, as a leader of a company, as a founder, want to be doing? You want to be doing the one that's leveraging the most and giving you the highest return per amount of time possible, which doesn't take you doing the most work. It takes you leveraging yourself with others to, to really 
accomplish all that. Yep, that's right. But uh, so you know, you you have been building stored for three years. You've gone from pre-seed through to a seed. You've recently closed a Series A. You know, what is one piece of advice if you were to look back at you know your 2016 self and say you know you should know this? It would make this journey a bit easier. What would that be? What would you tell yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. I've thought a lot about this, trying to really figure out if I did another company in the future, it's kind of how I like to think about it. What would I do differently uh, versus look back and say, what would I, what should I have done differently? Because I think it's a really constructive uh, thing to think about is every team you start, everything you do, even within stored is almost like standing up a new team, standing up a new company. Maybe it has more resources. It's not as hard, but how can I take some of those early learnings of going from one to two people to five people to 30 to 40 to 50 people, et cetera, as we grow and really apply those to everything we do moving forward. And I think the the biggest one for me early on uh, was I wish we had just moved a little bit faster when it came to people. And we just talked about people and how do you use people to leverage yourself early on, especially coming from this kind of, solo entrepreneur, our our own business type mindset, we weren't good enough at finding the best people and really bringing them onto our team. We kind of thought about how do we get by with as little resources as possible, doing the most as possible and making our own activity as high as possible, which was how long can I do all of our sales? How long can I do all of our customer success? How long can Jacob, my co-founder, do all of our engineering? I think if we had earlier on, especially after our pre-seed round of sorts, really started to leverage ourselves better by bringing on people and growing our team a little bit earlier rather than kind of waiting until we were so constrained that we had to add people, it would have helped us scale a little bit earlier. And I think the other thing, the only other learning is something I would now say we're extremely good at. We did a lot of iterating and a lot of listening to customers to get to where we are and to really be the model we are. I think doing that a little bit earlier in my own personal journey of stored in particular would have been more valuable because although I did kind of compound my background and all these different experiences I had to say, hey, this is a problem I think I can help solve, we kind of, I still kind of said, here's the problem I'm solving and then took the next six or eight months to kind of deconstruct it and then reconstruct it. I think I should have done a little bit more on the front end of before I launch anything, let me talk to customers. Let me try to get paying customers rather than prescribe being a little bit too prescriptive with the solution. So I'd say those are the two things just never own an idea. Just be passionate about what you're trying to solve and who you're trying to solve it for. Not here's exactly what we do. Always be super iterative and just make sure you're leveraging yourself with with the resources you have. Don't go over the top, but leveraging yourself so that your company is growing and you're succeeding accordingly rather than just saying, how much activity can I drive independently? And like you brought up, that just requires getting the best people on your team and on your side to help you along that journey. Sure. Uh, so you you've just raised a Series A. You've You've reflected on the the journey you've made, the importance of having complementary skill sets around the table, and uh, also kind of pressing on. You might have actually added some of those folks a little earlier than you ultimately did. But what what's kind of the 
plan from here? How are you growing? How are you helping the people grow around you as you embark on this journey of scaling up? Yeah, it's a great question. It's kind of like you said it. It came up uh, while we were all together last week for uh, one of Stored's first board meetings with our new round of financing completed. Is the biggest thing for me right now is just people, is hiring the right people and getting them ramped up enough and trained enough to really leverage ourselves. So I think I think you had said it really well a few weeks ago, Santosh, I don't want to steal your thunder, just essentially the most the fastest way to scale is you get the best people and the other things kind of start to click in place magically. You start to see more progress and more things happening all the time. And so I think the thing we're trying to balance right now is really making sure we go back and learn from that experience of, hey, we need to hire more accordingly with plan and more preemptively and enabling our growth, not just as a reaction to growth. I think that's what we're trying to balance right now and really put that top of mind and go get the best people at the same time. And I'd say we just did really that. And we have a great example. We hired another salesperson. We hired a few more salespeople. Really, they had an experience. They had a background uh, in our industry and in technology. So it really brought the right experience to the table with the right type of candidate. And within their first month and a half here, they just closed a Fortune 50 company, a customer for us. And it's doing more of that and getting more customers, more people on our team who are able to bring that high impact and drive that high impact and are looking to help build. So I would say probably 65 to 75% of my time, if not more, is getting the best people on our team. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say one of the other big focuses for me is, is that piece of as you grow an organization, as you move quickly, and every day we notice things start to move faster and faster, and there's a lot going on. The funniest part for me and Jacob, for example, as co-founders is you, you look up sometimes and two years ago, every single thing that was done from taking out the trash to updating the website to everything was one of us doing it. Now you look around and if you have people aligned correctly and you have the right people there, Things happen without our even realizing sometimes there's so much progress. And that's the fun part as a founder is when things are starting to click and your team's starting to really cohesively move together quickly. And I'd say that's the biggest one for me besides finding and bringing on the right people is how do I align our people? How do I make sure everybody's rallied behind the same missions, the same goals, is cohesively working to those same goals? And how do I help train them? How do I help develop our leaders with more resources, more education, bringing in more mentors for different departments. Not only how do I get the best people in here, but how do I help make them better? How do I expand their networks? Sure. Sure. You, you have a full plate, certainly. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, you're uh, very aware of that. <laughs> and uh, last question here uh, as we wrap up, and, and I'd be curious to, uh, to hear your response because you're in the thick of it. But we've, we've talked about moving fast and how one can move fast. What are the types of attributes we need in order to move fast and, and grow a business quickly? But how does one move fast and then also balance themselves? Like, is there a line? How do you identify a line? How do you avoid burnout is specifically what, what I'm trying to uh, answer. Because it is very easy to, to kind of go all out. And that might not necessarily be the best thing for ourselves as people. And as a result, not the best thing for our companies and, and our people at our companies. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I wish I had a great answer, but I'll talk a little bit about me personally, I guess. Um, it, it is interesting. I mean, the faster you move, you are correct. Uh, it all takes an impact on you personally, emotionally, from a, how much energy you have. You start to notice changes. And especially not only myself, but being around a lot of founders in, in similar positions across the country in different markets with different amounts of employees, et cetera, you really start to if you go through the journey together, you start to see changes in people because it does take a big impact on you and on your life. And I think there's only a few ways to really kind of deconstruct it. I think, I think one, you have to be really bought into what you're doing, where if someone texts me or emails me or sends me a Slack message at 1130 or 1am, it doesn't feel like, why am I getting a message outside of work? It, this is the passion. This is what we're trying to build. It just feels like part of my life. And, you have to be comfortable with that and understand, hey, I'm working towards a massive goal and that goal and the work-life balance, they kind of have to be blended together where you want to create a culture at work where you want to come to work. It doesn't tire you out. You don't hate sitting there every day. It's something that actually gives you energy. It's something that oftentimes wakes you up in the middle of the night So because you're excited because there's a lot to do. So that's one side. That's the making the best out of the high energy and, and how much is going on. The other side, though, is it, it does take a toll. And I think you have to still be really cognizant of yourself, your learnings. Uh, I think you have to really focus on your mind, focus on your body, focus on exercising and dieting and eating correctly because it's so easy to get distracted and not take care of yourself. You have to make sure you're getting enough sleep. And I think I talk a lot about this with our different team leads, probably more than I think about it personally of I almost sometimes mandate or dictate, Hey, when's the last time you took a few days off or, Hey, can you go and plug for the weekend when I notice somebody is stressed? Because it's really easy to get tied into the weeds and really pulled in and sucked in and constantly be working. It takes some mindfulness and kind of stepping back to say, okay, the company is going to be there. It's not going anywhere, but forward. I have other people in place to help me take it there. I'm empowering my people enough to where if I step back for a day or two or really ensure that I'm taking enough care of myself, it's not going to negatively impact the company. I think if a founder steps away for a day, for example, and something terrible happens, I think that's just reflective of the organization hasn't been set up correctly and the right leaders haven't been empowered or brought on board to help them run the company, to help them because if you really try to do everything yourself and everything is hinged on you, you absolutely will burn out because there's just no possible way to sustain it. Yeah. And that's why, again, a lot of this conversation has just been people and bringing on the right people to help you in the journey. And I think if you do that, you'll notice your burnout and your tiredness starts to go down and you start to have more freedom to enable people and take care of yourself a little bit more throughout that process. Yep. Yep. That's spot on. That's spot on. Hey, this has been an awesome session. Uh, it's been great to uh, be a part of the journey here at, at Dynamo. And uh, I think uh, there are a lot of folks who could take inspiration and, and good counsel from this episode. Thanks a bunch, Sean. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And thanks for uh, thanks to Dynamo for all the partnership with Stored. Appreciate it, Santosh. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. 
and be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.